Life's too short. Life's too damn short. With your fun fitness friend, Melanie Cole, MS. You know, one of my favorite shows of the year, and you know that when I'm working with the American College of Sports Medicine, motivate and perform with them, what a great organization. They are the gold standard for health and fitness and science and putting it all together. And this one is one of my favorite shows we do all year, not only because it forecasts the trends for the coming year. And we will explain the difference between fads and trends, but it's one of my favorite guests all year, the classiest, smartest guy. Today we're talking with Dr. Walt Thompson. He's a Regent Professor of Exercise Science in the Department of Kinesiology and Health in the College of Education at Georgia State University. And we're talking to him today about the fitness trends for 2017. Boy, the time is going fast. Welcome to the show, Dr. Thompson. So what do you think this year? year coming up. What are we seeing that's really different? And before you talk about that, explain to the listeners, because this is called the trends. And But people say, oh, that's a fad. What is the difference between a trend and a fad? Uh, that's a great question, Melanie, because a, a lot of these fitness trends articles that you typically will read in magazines that come out in the end of the year, trying to predict what's going to be hot and what's not going to be hot in the coming year, uh, are almost typically fads. And the way I describe fads in the fitness industry is uh, about this time of the year, post-Halloween uh, and well into January, any night of the week you can turn on your television and see infomercials for the most wild gadgets of exercise you can imagine. Uh, those are the kinds of devices and units that people will buy for the holidays uh, and then use them for a couple of weeks and shove them under the bed or in the closet. So that's what we call a fad. A trend is something that has staying power. Now, we've seen over the years, we've been doing this trend analysis since, since 2007, we have seen some of what we would might consider trends actually have become fads because they've come on our list very quickly and then fell off of our list pretty quickly. Wow. You know, and I can't believe you guys have been doing this 11 years already because it seems like we've been talking about this for so many years, you and I going back and forth about them. And I'm always amazed, as you say, at things that, that you think are going to be really, really hot and like Zumba and all these things, and then off they drop. And so this year is a little bit dif different because, Dr. Thompson, what, there's like technology really involved in this one. And some of the things that we always have thought of, the old school, drop down just a little. So let's start with number one, wearable technology. And what are we talking about here? Yeah, it's very interesting that wearable technology first appeared as a trend in our 2016 survey. And you know and your listeners know that there was a lot of problems with wearable technology when they were first introduced to the market. They weren't very accurate. Uh, and they they provided such inaccuracies that uh, people will look down at their wearable technology and see that after running a mile, they burned a thousand calories. That's just not possible. But what's happened from two thousand between two thousand sixteen uh, and will happen in two thousand seventeen is this wearable technology now has become increasingly more accurate. So what we're seeing now are these devices that not only track heart rate, not only track your run, as many of the GPS devices will do, but now also will keep track of 
the number of calories burned, and in some cases, will actually calculate for you your caloric balance. So your wearable watch, for example, will tell you you're in an energy deficit right now. You need to eat 100 calories. Or it may say you're, uh, you, you've eaten too much and you need to exercise more. Very fascinating. Uh, I'm not sure how long the wearable technology will remain on our trend list as number one, but certainly in 2016 and into 2017, wearable technology is our number one trend in the health fitness industry. So I'm glad to hear that they're getting, you know, much more. We can trust them more. We can look at them because, as you say, a thousand calories for running a mile was ridiculous. People have been questioning their treadmill calorie tracker for years. So the technology must have been real because people have always been asking me. So if I really just burned 250 calories based on what the treadmill says I just did. And, you know, so it's always been kind of an interesting little dichotomy getting to see if those things match up. And the wearable technology, is it getting less expensive or more, do you see? Yeah, it, it depends on what you're, you're after. Uh, I was just asked just yesterday by a colleague what kind of uh, Fitbit he should purchase. And I, so I asked him, what, what is your goal? And his goal was simply to keep track of the number of steps and maybe uh, some uh, caloric balance. And so we looked at the various Fitbits that are available, and we chose one that was best for him. Uh, so that's what I would explain to your listeners. That if you're interested in wearable technology, first think about what it is that you want to measure, uh, and then purchase the wearable that uh, will mostly will most match uh, what your needs and what your goals are. Spending five or six hundred dollars on a piece of wearable technology that measures everything may not be what you need. It may be the seventy nine ninety five. Fitbit Flex that uh, is best for you. So just be careful. It's a kind of a buyer beware situation out there today. Yeah, because everybody doesn't need all the whistles and bells. And as you say, just keep track of what you want to measure and then look for something that fits into those parameters. So at number two, Dr. Thompson, one of my favorites, old school training, body weight training, using less equipment. People can do it anywhere, but it dropped down, right? Wasn't it number one last year? Yeah, it was number one a, a couple of years ago. Wearable technology was first introduced as number one last year. But you're right, body weight training, uh, it, it's always been popular. But uh, around 2007 and 2008, where we started to see uh, some downturns in the U.S. economy, we started to see some of this back-to-basic kind of exercise. Body weight training is one of those. So again, body weight training is not new. It's been around for centuries, but the really smart uh, health fitness folks out there are packaging it and repackaging it so that it looks brand new. Something is being introduced almost every day in the market simply using your body weight. Now, the health fitness folks, the, the people who own our, the clubs uh, that we all belong to, they're really smart, too, because if you use just your body weight, it's, uh, it's a, a low, uh, low form of uh, exercise. In other words, it doesn't cost a whole lot to exercise with your body weight versus uh, a more expensive machine. Well, I think it's great because really, I mean, as a trainer, I could put somebody through a fantastic workout just with lunges and push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and, I mean, squats. And you can just do so many things just using your own body weight. And some of the equipment that you can see also takes some of your body weight off, so it helps you with pull-ups and things 
but that's using equipment. But supposedly using your body weight to help you do whatever it is, there's no weights involved. That's correct. And and there are also these really smart health fitness instructors and personal trainers uh, are developing programs using body weight that uh, appear to be new every single year. So it's really just a repackaging of something that folks have been doing for a long time that makes it more exciting, uh, and it, it appears as though it's being introduced for the first time. So then we've got high-intensity interval training, HIT training. A little controversial. You know, we've seen it kind of come up and down. Some people say it's more dangerous, especially if you have heart issues or you're older. Or So tell us about HIT training, and that's at number three. Three now. So is that moving up or down? What do you see going on with that? Yeah, high-intensity interval training is uh, looks like it's losing its momentum. It was first introduced in our fitness trend survey as, at number one about five years ago. Uh, it's been in the top five uh, in the last four or five years, but it is starting to uh, decrease in popularity. You're right, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about high-intensity interval training. Uh, who is the best market for that, who uh, will get the most benefits from it. But there's also this nagging question that we still don't have the answer to, and that is, does it cause more injury? Uh, Intuitively, you and I would say, yeah, if you were doing high-intensity interval work, it's going to cause more injury. But the jury's still out on that. We don't have the scientific evidence to directly link high-intensity interval training to an increase in uh, injuries. Now, I would never suggest that high-intensity interval training should be practiced by everyone. Uh, I would suggest to all of your listeners that if they want to engage in high-intensity interval training, that they seek out someone uh, who has the proper certification, like the American College of Sports Medicine, uh, who can guide them through a high-intensity interval training workout. I still have this question about uh, risk versus benefit, uh, but... There are others who that's all they do is high-intensity interval training, uh, and they don't uh, have any increased risk of injury. We'll have to see. Uh, my guess is, and, I, and I, I predicted this five years ago when it first appeared in the top five, that high-intensity interval training would fade away over the years. It's now at number three for 2017. We'll have to keep an eye on it. My guess is that it's losing its person, its popularity. Well, I'll tell you what I do, Dr. Thompson, when I'm doing HIIT training, if I do with my especially older, I tailor it down. So high intensity for one person is different than high intensity if I was working out somebody who's in their 30s or 40s. So my 70-year-olds, you know, maybe that I'll have them doing a few jumping jacks or like these modified burpees that you kind of just hold on to the treadmill and do. And I mean, for them, that's pretty high intensity. But I think, as you're right, you do have to be mindful of injuries. You have to be mindful of what it's doing to your heart and your body. So it is something that you have to, if you're going to be a healthcare professional and you're going to use this form of training, you do have to you know, use a little bit of caution as you do it and really pay attention, really pay attention to your client at that point or your patient. Because I notice that, you know, when you see some trainers and they're just looking around and whatever, this one, you actually have to really pay attention, make sure that they're not, you know, getting out of whack or something. Now, of course, our favorite number four, strength training, Working our way in the top 10 here, strength training's been around so long, Dr. Thompson. So anything new there? Yeah, strength training is a lot like body weight training. Number five on the 2017 
survey. Uh, it, it has been around for a long time, just like body weight training has. But strength training is one of those staples, right? You go into a gym anywhere in the world and people are doing strength training. But the, the popularity of strength training uh, has increased because of the increase in uh, the way we package, the way gyms package strength training. So the strength training program that you and I were introduced to, say, 20 years ago, is not the same strength training program that's introduced into the market today. Uh, so the, there are still people who will go into gyms and lift weights uh, the old-fashioned way. But most of the, the younger folks want to be introduced to something more exciting. So the health fitness industry is packaged and repackaged strength training so it looks brand new. See, that's kind of cool. And I know I, I didn't mean to skip four educated and experienced fitness professionals, which has been sort of a, a thorn in the spine of those of us who got our master's degrees or got certified by ACSM. And you've seen trainers out there that just because they're huge, that they're able to train people. And even my son is now, and this is interesting to me, Dr. Thompson, because with the advent of the internet and YouTube, there's a lot of guys out there, and I say guys, but there's girls too, on YouTube that are doing these whole health and fitness shows and these lifting things and these, you know, YouTube videos of lifting and nutrition. And before I let my son totally pay attention to whatever it is, I want to watch them and see if I think this person knows what they're talking about. Because that is, I'm like, Clayton, I don't want you doing that one. That guy, What that guy's doing is going to hurt your shoulder totally. You know, so I think this is an important one for people to pay mind to because there's so much out there now to sway you in other directions that there didn't used to be. Well, it's so easy to access the Internet, right, on your smartphone, on your pad, uh, on your laptop. Uh, so it's easy to do a search and say, okay, I want to do a shoulder exercise, and you'll have 300 YouTube videos. Now, what's happening, though, in the health fitness industry is something that was introduced a couple of years ago but has now gained a lot of popularity, and that is the Coalition for the Registry of Exercise Professionals. The coalition is composed of about a dozen different certification organizations that all meet a certain standard. These organizations then have provided a list of all of their certified professionals uh, against this, have to meet certain standards. Uh, they're now a part of what's known as the United States Registry of Exercise Professionals, U.S. Reps. Any of your listeners can go to U.S. Reps, U-S-R-E-P-S dot O-R-G, and you can search for Melanie Cole. You can search for Walt Thompson. You can search for your favorite personal trainer. And if they appear on that list, it will tell you exactly what kind of certification that person has, what kind of experience they have. Uh, so it, it's a great tool, and it's one that I use all the time when somebody tells me, yeah, I'm certified as a personal trainer by X, Y, and Z. I can say, oh, wait a second, let me just look, and I'll look up uh, on usreps.org. I'll look up the person's name and see and make sure that they are who they say they are. Wow, that's a really interesting thing. And so if we don't show up on there, as I didn't when I was just looking, and maybe I'm searching in the wrong spot. Does that mean that we have to register with them? Or is so there it, a... Yeah, so if you're already certified by one of the, the organizations that sponsors U.S. reps, 
And if you go to usreps.org. Oh, I think I was on the wrong page anyway. I was just searching the site. Okay. So, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you got to go to the registry and you got to look it up and, that's right. and put your stuff in there and see if the person's in there. How interesting. What a great little tip that is, Dr. Thompson. Now, I want to jump down a little. So group training is six. Number seven, one of your favorites in mine exercises, medicine. You know, really, this is that global health initiative by ACSM calling on doctors to use their prescription pads to write out a prescription for exercise. And we certainly hope the insurance companies jump on board with this. So exercise is medicine, number seven, huh? Yeah, interesting that uh, we have American College of Sports Medicine has uh, has really placed an emphasis on exercise as medicine in the physician's office. Uh, and that is to get physicians to understand that they have to ask the question of the patient, how much exercise do you get, yet some or none, uh, and here's how you do it. Now, the, the missing link, however, has been... If I'm a patient, I'm a doctor, and the doctor says I need to get more exercise, as a patient, I'm going to say, where do I get it? And the typical answer has been, well, there are places in town you can go, or you can go to the YMCA or Boys and Girls Club or where it happens to be. But interestingly, in uh, in this uh, fitness trends analysis, it appeared as number seven, and we didn't survey physicians. We surveyed health fitness professionals. So now we have, we think, created this very significant link between personal trainers and health fitness instructors in the industry with physicians. So now we're hoping the next step is that that, uh, physicians, when they're asked the question, where do I get more exercise, they'll be able to say, if you're in Chicago, you see Melanie Cole. If you're in, in Atlanta, you go see Walt Thompson or wherever he happens to be. Uh, it's a great tool and we're and we've done a good job, I think, in educating physicians to ask the right questions. In fact, Kaiser Permanente now uh, requires every physician, every patient, every visit to take an exercise vital sign. But now we're hoping, and we think what's happening in the health fitness industry, that we've created now this very significant link, a direct referral from a physician's office to the health fitness professional in the community. Yeah, that's rocking. I'm so glad to see that happening. And what a great initiative it is, as we know, preventive medicine is the wave of the future. And as we jump, eight is yoga, nine personal training, 10 exercise and weight loss. Let's finish today, Dr. Thompson, with weight loss, because that, I mean, I know that as fitness trends go, this is number 10 on your list, but really, it's what I hear every day, all the time, all day long. And I'm shocked it's not number one. I mean, it seems like everybody with this obesity crisis, we've gotten the kids and childhood obesity and and, and our wonderful first lady ta- tackling childhood obesity as a as a as an initiative that waste, weight loss wouldn't be higher up on that list. Yeah, and you'll be even more disappointed to learn that the treatment of childhood obesity was in the top ten of our fitness trend survey, and you'll notice that it dropped out of the top twenty. Uh, my concern is that the health fitness industry is not looking at this more seriously uh, because it has been. The, these very specific programs for kids who are overweight or obese have been in our top 10 for a long time, and this year dropped out of our top 20. Bummer. I, I don't know why. My guess is that in the health fitness industry, it is difficult to not only identify kids who need to have exercise, but um, how do you approach them? How do you get to them? 
That's the big uh, deal. Plus the parents the too, point. Dr. Thompson, because yeah. the parents get really offended. And you and I could do a whole show on childhood obesity, but the parents yeah. get offended if you say, well, you know, their BMI or some pediatricians I know are even hesitant, even though this is now part of their job, is to right. talk about BMI. But parents get very easily offended by this. They do. Uh, and it's, it's unfortunate that we have to be so politically correct when it comes to the health Terrible. of our kids, but that's the way it is. Wow. So, you know, just kind of wrap it up for us with this top, you know, 20 of the fitness trends for 2017. And when is it coming out officially? Uh, it's out. Uh, it, it is. Uh, so Thursday. Yep. Okay. And uh, where can people find out more information? They can go to acsm.org and uh, click on the public section of acsm.org. And uh, you can download the report, take a look at it, and uh, use it as, as you can. Well, I just think it's an amazing report that you, you put together every year, Dr. Thompson, and it blows me away how you get all of these information bits together. And also, you know, when we do the American Fitness Index, the same. It is always amazing to me how you're able to, you know, collaborate all that information so that we, the public, can use it to get our best health. Those Thank you so much for being with us today. You are always such a pleasure to have on the show. And you're listening to Life's Too Short, so you have to make the most of it. And I really want you to subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review so that like-minded people can really get involved in these topics. And if you have some topics, you can always just send them on to RadioMD.com. This is Melanie Cole. Stay well.